Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Podcast. It's good for the guys just to get used to having that helmet on, the shoulder pads. I thought the defense did a good job. Offensively, just okay. We expect a little bit better, but we'll learn from that and got to have that next play mentality. WGN Radio presents Hogan Johns from Bears Training Camp in Bourbon A. We're not at that step yet to where it's live and it's real. It's still good to thump and let those guys go. I'll just say this. I like what we're doing on defense. With WGN's Adam Hogue and from The Athletic, Adam Johns. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Here they are, the Adams. Pick six, Chicago. Hogan Johns. And there's the boom. Another podcast here for you from Bourbon A. It's the Hogan Johns Podcast, episode 241. My name's Adam Hogue and Kevin Fishbane. Is here with us filling in for John Z once again. What's up, Kev? Not too much, Adam. I imagine best news for the listeners is we're we're expecting Adam Johns to be back soon. Or maybe for some it's bad news. That's that's true as well. I, you know, I, I have I have my own fan club. Includes <laughs> includes my Bubby. Uh and that's about as far as it goes. But you might need to explain Bubby to some of our Yes, listeners. I'm sorry. Bubby is what us Jews call our grandmother. At least what I call my grandma. I was gonna say, wait, is that more than one? I actually, or, or I just thought that was your thing. Uh, no, I mean, Bubby's a pretty common. Um, I've I've met many Bubbies throughout my career, um, but we like your career of life. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I actually am fortunate <laughs> to have. I I have I have a Bubby on both sides, but uh, yeah. I know, although now that I say it, she is the president of my fan club. She does not know how to listen to a podcast. Dude, Bubby's got to work on that. But she does know how to read The Athletic. If you can read The Athletic, you can listen to a podcast. One would think. If you One can dodge think. a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Makes perfect sense. Can't argue with that. Uh, Johns will be back probably, uh, I think we'll have an episode Thursday, our next episode. And uh, we are expecting Adam Johns to be back here uh, as he continues to attend to some family matters back in Chicago uh, but Optimistic will be back, which is good news for everyone and especially the Johns family. So, uh, meanwhile, the podcast goes on. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E. You can follow Johns on Twitter, although most of his tweeting so far from tra- um, about training camp has been retweeting either you or me. Yeah, so... So you might as well just follow us. I guess, yeah. Um <laughs> That's put a little more pressure on my tweets. I feel like yeah, you're getting the John's bump. Yeah, knowing that he's going to retweet me. Um, it's That's I big. hope hopefully he, you know, hopefully no one's saying like why is John's retweeting this clown? I don't think so. Probably not. No. I've got some good tweets. Uh, and you can follow Kevin at K Fishbane. Our producer is Joe Romano at Joey Joe Rowe and Ernie Scatton does the opens for us. We appreciate pumping out new opens for training camp every episode. Bring it. I love it. Uh, Read us at WGNRadio.com slash Bears. That's where I got a new 10 Bears Things column up. Uh, Most likely it's up if you're listening to this, but there's a chance you'll have to wait a little bit longer depending on how quickly you're listening to the podcast. It'll be up tonight. 
at some point. Uh, there's a lot in there from training camp, so uh, you can get it there. And then Kevin Fishbane, Adam Johns at theathletic.com or on the Athletic app. I am one of the, of the Athletic's 500,000 subscribers now. The question is, Hogan Johns listeners, are you one of those subscribers? Or do you want to be number 500,001? Do I get a prize if I end up being the 1 million subscriber? Like if I unsubscribe and then resubscribe and I'm the 1 millionth subscriber? Do I get a lifetime subscription? I think you get a t-shirt and John Greenberg will take you to lunch. Is it an Akeem Hicks t-shirt since he's been talking a lot? Hard to say. Uh, I will say that um, thank you, because I do know a lot of listeners here, subscribe. So thank you to all of you who do subscribe. We did reach a 500,000 milestone. That's big. Which is very exciting. And what's really cool about it is that we have so many great plans, not just on the Bears beat, but the whole site wide, just to continue to bring better content. I thought you were going to say what's great about it is that it makes you feel good about your job security. (laughs) 500,000 people is good. It is very good in this uh, tumultuous time for industry. But uh, John Z and I have some big plans along with Dan Pompey and Dan Durkin. So uh, it's uh, so for those of you who don't subscribe, then now's a, now's a perfect time with the season right around the corner. Uh, you can search Hogan Johns on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Please do actually rate and review the podcast. And more importantly, tell a friend about it. Tell, tell your bubby about it and get her to listen to the podcast. Um, all right, I mentioned Akeem Hicks a few minutes ago. He joins us on this podcast, as does Charles Leno Jr. I had a chance uh, in the last couple days to talk to both of those guys, Akeem Hicks, a little earlier today, a lengthy conversation uh, with a, uh, a guy that, frankly, is a defensive superstar, in my opinion. I mean, he is one of the best defensive players in the world at this point and is finally getting that due coming in at number 39 on the NFL's top 100 list uh, yesterday is when they released uh, the next chunk of players. And Akeem Hicks did come in at number 39. So uh, we talked a little bit about that. You'll hear from him in, in a little bit here. And Charles Leno Jr., some interesting stuff about going up against Khalil Mack. You know, we forget Khalil Mack's been here for a year, but he hasn't been in pads until Bourbonnet because they don't practice in pads during the season. And so as much as Charles Leno talked about going up in practice against Khalil Mack last year, it's a different animal the last two days now the pads are on. Yeah, I wonder if Bobby Massey and Charles Leno, and I'm sure you talked to Charles about this, like kind of want to flip a coin to see you know, who's got a... I guess it's not their choice who has to face him. Yeah. But. Well, they are moving Khalil around a little bit. Yes, he, he is, he's getting moved around. One of my favorite things about Khalil... Um, at practice is I don't know if you've noticed this, but when they it's when it's time for eleven on eleven and the def- so the ball will be on the ground, like where the line of scrimmage is, where it's gonna be snapped. And the everyone runs in because you know it's a new drill. Khalil will be will run past everybody, be the first one and he'll grab the ball and he'll throw it up in the air and the defensive players play um what's that game you play where you kinda keep your feet off the ground as you, you know, it's like almost like hot potato. Oh. Essentially, with the football, and I think it's kind of cool. Like Cleo Mack, of all people, is like wants to be the first one to the ball. Well, he does that in real life. Yeah. Uh, today he got through the line of scrimmage so quick on one rep. 
uh, and into the backfield to tackle Mike Davis. Now, they're just thumping, so it wasn't a real tackle. Had it been the regular season, it would have been RIP Mike Davis because he would have been crushed into the ground. That's how hard Cleo Mack came through the hole. Uh, that is one observation for the first weekend of practices. It's not very controversial or mind-blowing, but uh, Cleo Mack, very good at football still. He he ruins plays. Something Matt Nagy talked about. Uh, I want to say on Friday or something. Yeah, he's wrecking drills. Yeah, like they he have really to is. stop. Like the play, the play is dead because Cleo Mack got through. But then he said he can wreck as many as he wants. Yeah, which is which is true. All right. Um, let, I'm hesitant to bring up the kicking competition because we've talked about it on this podcast before about how we don't necessarily like talking about the kick, kicking competition. However, uh, speak for yourself. Well, well. He, this is what I'm going to get at here. I have found the first few days of Bourbonnais, the kicking competition, to be very intriguing. And it kind of turned into a clown show a little bit, during, especially rookie minicamp, um, when we had eight kickers there and only one of that group is still on the team now as, as we talk about Bourbonnais because they ended up trading for Eddie Pinheiro. But there's two things that are happening. Um, one there's multiple things that are happening one the fans being here makes it more interesting it's a little bit more structured I love how Matt Nagy Chris Tabor are doing this Saturday's Elliot Friday Friday huh. did you just say Saturday is Elliot Friday yeah why isn't Friday Friday why is Saturday Friday What's that joke in Major League? Uh, Who's on first? No, uh, such and such came in on a horse on Friday, stayed three days, and left on Friday. How did he do it? Oh, from the from the movie. The movie made. Oh, uh, little movie, little big league. league. Sorry. Bigly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the horse's name was Friday. Right. Yeah, Elliot Fry. This isn't. This is good to note that. Um, if he remains the kicker, there are more puns you can make with Elliot Fry than an Eddie Pinheiro. It's good to know that you have this pretty much have the same reaction Adam Johns does to my stupid crap that I, I just stare at you and silence. But and but you do seem to enjoy my nineties movies references more than he does. Yeah, well Johns is like forty, so <laughs> he might not uh, so I was a low blow. He's like thirty nine. Um but yeah, I, I think I, I have uh, I have a pretty wide range for my sense of humor, so I, I, can, I can take it all. It's also raining again here in Bourbon A as we record, even though it looks sunny outside. Did you, I know Matt Nagy said today that because uh, the pra- they pra- the entire practice was in the rain, pretty much. And I know he said like conditions don't matter, like you know they're not. It's not like Elliot Fry gets extra points, but I I got to imagine when they evaluate this stuff, it looks it's like. They say, oh, he made a 50-yard field goal in the rain. That's good. He missed a 35-yard field goal in the rain. Not so good. Yeah. But he went 8 for 10. That's good. Like, that's got to be a bonus point for doing it in the rain, right? I th- See, I feel like when he's talking about that, he... Well, today was a little different. But I I, I thought he, he kind of means that, like, it's not like we're... It's not like we care about what the weather conditions are. The days that are Elliot Fry's are his days. The days that are Pinero's are his. And just like games, you can't predict what the weather's going to be unless it's indoors. So you got to deal with it. 
Um, now, it would be interesting if, hypothetically, we get through August and there's like f- five rainy days they practice through and they all happen to be Elliot's days as opposed to Pinero's, but um, we'll see how it plays out. What, what I was getting to earlier is the fans being here make it fun. The splitting up of days here, I like it. And the results so far have been fun. Fry has a really good day Saturday, kicks a 60-yarder. Pinheiro comes back Sunday, has a really good day, wants to go 63. And they make them. Like, this is what a competition is supposed to look like. In the offseason, it was disjointed. Nobody looked that good. And it was, quite frankly, concerning. And then on top of it, we're getting a little bit more access to these guys. We're getting to understand their personalities a little bit, too. To me, and that's what I want to share on this podcast today, that's made it more interesting, too. They kind of, like, have... they were Before, they were kind of, like, shielding these kickers from us. And at least that's how I felt. I don't know. But I feel like um, last couple days, Elliot Fry... Like you're you're starting to understand who these kickers are. So you got Fry is a diabetic um, who has a tattoo on his left arm that says "one shot," which is in, not, not from the Eminem song. It's not from the Eminem song. Uh, one opportunity, give everything you ever got, or is that something like that? Um, it's for all the shots he has to, he's had to give himself. You know daily throughout his entire life. Then you got Eddie Pinheiro who carries some swag with him. I mean, I like... I like They both have confidence, but Fry's a little bit... Um, he, doesn't, he's a, he doesn't speak as loudly, per se, as yeah. Pinheiro, who's clearly got a little bit of an edge to him. Confidence. Like, I liked yesterday. Someone asked him, do you feel more pressure because the Bears maybe gave up a draft pick for you because it's a conditional pick? And he goes, no. The Raiders gave me away for pennies. Like, he was insulted by it. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. And I don't know this for sure. And I, I don't... But I wonder if Ryan Pace, Chris Tabor, Matt Nagy, I wonder if they're reading some of the quotes from these guys to us. And, and I, I try hard not to overrate our role as the media and anything that goes on. But with this competition, you know, for, for example, they are letting us chart and describe every kick. Mm. You know, we cannot tell you if, if Mitch Trubisky completes a long pass to Allen Robinson, we can tell you that, but we can't tell you the route that was run, you know, things like that. But they're, they are letting us chart the kicks because that adds pressure. That adds public pressure. I wonder if they're going, if, if, if the personnel staff is re, are reading some of these stories to learn how these guys are handling talking to us. Because not so much that, that kickers have to know how to handle the media because they don't. I mean, we only talk to a kicker if he makes a game-winning kick or even if he misses a game-winning kick. That is it. The, yeah, although I will say there were some lessons learned on how Cody Parkey handled exactly, the and I think that could that could factor in as well. That's a good po- that's a good point. But you can learn about these guys mentally. It's just it's just another piece of the puzzle because we've talked about how this evaluation is so much mental. That's why they're having these pressure pack uh, competitions to see how they mentally handle it because. How much of these guys are going to really improve as kickers physically? Mm-hmm. It's how are they going to handle all these kind of weird, weird situations? Yeah, I just, I, I it's been more fun than I expected. I, I really was like 
sort of over the kicking competition thing and uh it, it's been interesting to watch and it's not like it's taking up a huge portion of portion of practice well there's nothing i shouldn't say there's nothing there aren't position battles here there's there not are many. there's a there, couple now, roster spots there maybe. are roster spots up for grabs there are what seven roster spots up for grabs um you know you don't have a starting spot that is up for grabs you know who almost all of these guys are the new players we're starting to learn more about but the two big you know some of the biggest most important new players on offense we're not going to really get to know until the game start cuz they're running backs and a wide and a gadget player like Cordero Patterson you know same similar on defense with so, you know Buster Screen had a good day today uh, at practice we haven't seen how Clinton Dixit there's just you know kicker was going to be the biggest story but it also, you know, there, there's also not a whole lot to talk about. It's a good thing. It's a good thing for where training camp is. I remember asking Ryan Pace at the owners' meetings. I go, you know, uh, this is obviously taken over, but it's a lot better than <laughs> if you were sitting here talking about how you're going to figure out who your starting quarterback is going to be. Right. There's no drama. Yeah. It's just there's no pers- drama. Just this perspective. Year. And as as we've talked about, and we'll continue to talk about. It's still possible September 5th, neither Elliott Fry nor Eddie Pinheiro is kicking for the Bears against the Packers. That is still a possibility. It's possible Eddie Pinheiro hits every kick the rest of the way, wins the job, and goes 0 for 3 in week 1. That's the thing I was thinking. I actually was we on just the, don't know. I was on WGN Radio this morning, and I brought that up because they were asking me, like, how long do you think it's going to be before they make a decision on this? Because we've seen other competitions, you know, kicker separates himself early, and they just go, that's our guy. I think this is going to drag on to the end. I even wonder, are they going to get, like, is Elliot Fry going to get game one? Eddie Pinheiro gets game two. Fry gets game three. It's a great question. Pinheiro gets game four. Or do I mean, they all? I think I think they might do that because Matt Nagy. It's similar to practice. If you're going to do it in practice, and you're yeah. going to know this is your game, he likes the idea of seeing what they're like in a rhythm and making it game like. You know, right. somebody asked me on Twitter, why aren't they using those narrow goalposts that they tinkered with uh, in OTAs? I'm like, well, that's not. It's not game. It's you're screwing with the visuals for the these guys. In fact, today I was kind of annoyed. There, the one field has like the high shorter, shorter goalposts, goal yeah. and I was like, this is kind of weird, but. Um. Yeah. So to to your point earlier, Eddie Pinheiro or Elliot Fry could run away with this thing. Like it could be obvious to us in a couple weeks which one's better. I'm just saying hypothetically, and they can have a great camp. What the atmosphere on September 5th against the Packers cannot be simulated 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 at any point. In training camp, in the preseason games, I mean, going to New York for a preseason game is not going to be anything like it is on September fifth, the NFL kickoff game with the whole world watching. Okay, yeah, the, the and, first, then, the, and then on top of that, even if he gets through the first like half of the season and looks great, yeah, like these guys haven't really kicked in bad conditions before. I mean, Elliot Fry may have here. Did he have a... In the AAF, he did. There was a like couple, a game in there, Utah or something yeah. where it was snowing, I want to say. Whereas Pinheiro hasn't. You can't replicate Chicago yeah. in November and December, and especially January when we're all expecting there to be playoff games until you get there. So 
there's a lot to be determined here in this whole thing that has to make you feel uneasy. The only solution to any of that was Robbie Gold, which was yeah. never really realistic. And Robbie Gold could have come in here and not been sure. Robbie Gold. You just, that's that's just the, the that's why this position's what it is, and it's a unique position with so many guys that you just don't know. You know, there's just no no sure things. The only thing that's going to make the Bears fans feel comfortable is if whoever wins the job is is kicks the game winning kick in the Super Bowl. You know, yeah, like you have to go yeah. all the way there, really, to 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 get to a, a spot where you feel good about it. Cody Parkey was the special teams player of the week last year. Yeah, he was after they beat the Vikings. He had all his field goals. He had a clutch field goal to kind of extend their lead late in the game. And that was after he. Doinked four times in the game, right? So you just you just don't know with, with with this position, and I do think though it is important for us to keep telling everybody and explaining to you what's happening here. And I I think, and we might have talked about this last week, the difference between the two kickers. Now that we're so ingrained in watching this, you can see it. You can see that Eddie Pinero's or Eddie Pinero has a stronger leg. You can hear it. You can watch the flight of the ball, and then you can see that Elliot Fry is the type of guy that he could just get in a rhythm where like you're like he's never going to miss. He's very consistent. Yeah, um, but he doesn't have that kind of thump that comes with his kicks. And you know, this, how much how how important is that? And you think in Chicago, pretty important. But then he goes out and he hit that sixty yard at the first day. I mean, essentially, what this comes down to is you got the guy that's got consistent mechanics that doesn't have as big of a leg. That's Elliot Fry versus the other guy who is still so new to kicking. He didn't start kicking. He didn't start playing football until junior college. He dabbled with a little bit in high school, Eddie Pinheiro, but he was a soccer player and got a scholarship at FAU to play soccer, didn't qualify academically, had to go to junior college. That's where he joined the football team and started kicking field goals and eventually was so impressive that he got scholarships from Alabama and Florida and chose to go to Florida, had a good career there, but he's still so new to kicking that his mechanics are not as consistent. They're still He's still learning the job, but he has a big leg. So to me, I the way I handicap this right now is we just are barely... It's the end of July. We're going to be in August here in a couple days. I think Eddie Pinheiro is the favorite to win the job. And it has nothing to do with the fact they traded with... You know, traded for him. It's yeah. a, I don't want to say meaningless draft pick, but it's a conditional future pick that barely matters. I just think he has the bigger NFL leg. So if he can prove between now and the end of that fourth preseason game that he's improving his mechanics, that he's getting more consistent, I think he'll win the job. If he can't, though, because it ultimately is going to come down to making the kicks, they'll go with Fry. If he's consistent, he's making the kicks, even though he he might not have as big of a leg. That's how I handicap this right now. No, I, I would agree with that. Um, you know, it, this is I think all things equal that we neither one of these guys implodes at some point in the preseason or, or in practices. I could see it going that way as well. Um, you know, and, and then the one unknown is is there a kicker that this team has guys very familiar with, and they're going to watch every kick of his in the preseason, and then they're just going to be ready if he gets waved. I mean, that's that's the ultimate unknown. The Packers have a kicking competition. The Packers said today that the Mason Crosby's in a kicking competition with Sam Ficken. 
Penn State. Sam Ficken from Penn State. Yeah. Uh, the Bucks have a kicking competition with Carlos Santos uh, and Matthew Gay. The Cleveland Browns have a kicking competition. You know, and uh, but just like there's just there's so few teams that can just say like yeah we we yeah. have our guy we know who our guy is so. Um, you know, it, it is. It's different. It's fascinating. Um, and you know, I don't. I don't. I think too. What's helped these first few days is the fact that they've kicked well. I think if, if as you said earlier, if, if if it was a little bit more like what we saw in the spring, you know, I I don't think I don't. I, we'd have to talk about it. But if, I don't think anybody want to hear us yeah. talk about it for sure. Another thing, and I don't know how much this will actually manifest itself. I think it's worth noting that when Pinheiro arrived at Florida, he was, as as kickers go, a highly regarded recruit who was kind of anointed the savior at a program that had major kicking problems the year before. And so he, it's a similar situation. Like, and he embraced it, and he did a good job. He not only did he embrace it, he wanted to wear Tim Tebow's number fifteen there. You know what I mean? Like he was like, "Yeah, I'm here. I'm going to do this." It's a guy who does not lack confidence. Came into a position with a bad uh, a school that had a tough kicking situation with fans, very similar to Bears fans right now. They're like not going to put up with misses, and he performed. So. I think that kind of matters from a mentality standpoint. This is a very similar um, situation for him coming to Chicago. Yeah, I think it does too. And they had to deal with uh, um, both these guys. Uh, Patrick Scales wasn't here for a couple of days. Um, oh yeah, he had personal issues. So yeah, they had John Wordle, the uh, undrafted rookie out of Mount Carmel, snapping. So different, you know, different snapper. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think that that should all help Pinero out. He probably played in a couple more bigger games than Elliot Fry. Um, look, Eddie Pinheiro was on an NFL team last preseason. He was three for three. He kicked for the Raiders in the preseason. Then he got hurt, and he was doing well. And it's not, and, and the Raiders could have cut him. Yeah, obviously, they traded him for nothing, so they probably were going to anyways. But yeah, you know, they didn't. They kept him. They kept him with the team. They could have waved injured him or something, or come to an injury settlement. Yeah. So all right. Well, that's playing on the kicking competition. Uh, I do want to get to other observations from. Uh, the first few days of camp, pads are on. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but first, let's hear from Akeem Hicks. Had a chance to sit down with him today. The big tent that was saving us from the rain as it was falling at Olivet Nazarene University. Um, so, I mentioned earlier, the NFL Top 100 list came in at number 39. This was after... The Madden ranking a few weeks ago that really did not make sense. He only went from an 85 to an 87 when in real life uh, he should be in the 90s. But it's a fake. Well, it's not. It is fake football. It's a video game, so it's maybe not that big of a deal. Um, so anyway, that's where the conversation starts with Akeem Hicks. The uh, the Madden rating was kind of a travesty, at least in my opinion. Happy with number 39 though. Um, yeah, I, I can't say that I'm. Uh, I am excited to be on the list and, and to receive the recognition and, and to be placed in the in, in the top fifty. I think that is special. Um, I want more. 
that's that's got to be that is my mindset right I don't know what anybody else would say but for me I want more I want to take the next step and and uh, I was just talking with the other guys about just uh you know fighting that nature to say oh man I've I've achieved something and I can be you know I can chill out about it no I want I want to take my next step yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that because part of the reason you are where you are now is because you've played with a chip on your shoulder. You've had experiences in the league with other teams where you know you, f- you felt like you weren't being utilized correctly, and you found this home here in Chicago. You've gotten the contract extension. You're starting to get the national accolades. For somebody who came up that way with a chip on your shoulder, how do you how do you keep yourself hungry? Um, re- remembering what it took to get to this point, and then having the mindset that it's not enough. Um, and not to say that you don't appreciate your accomplishments, and it doesn't mean that you don't celebrate your, your your small victories. But I tell myself, what's next for me? I would be doing myself a disservice to stop at any point. Like I, when I don't have anything left, is when I stop. So Do you find that within your own team, the competition level, the you know, I got to beat this guy on every single snap type mentality to to keep that going from snap to snap. Um, yeah, I, I think that we have a great culture, right? I think that we have a great group of guys that um, they want to win. Like we got a bunch of uh, bad losers. Let's put it that way. We got a bunch of people that if if you beat him to the quarterback, uh, if I beat Mac to the quarterback, he wants the next one, or he's gonna he's gonna take the next one. You know what I'm saying? If uh, one of the guys back there, if Kyle gets a pick, Eddie's gonna say, "Hey, man, I gotta I gotta get one." Now he's gonna play within the confines of the defense, but we still want it. You know, we're still pushing ourselves because we want to be respected among each other so from day one that ryan pace took over this team he the culture you use the word culture was something he's clearly focused on as a player who is now entrenched within this culture with the teammate the kind of guys you have around you the guys you're friends with how can you explain like during the course of a long season why that's so big why that helps so much because there's times during the season when you're just you're down you know, you've, you've, maybe you got your butt kicked. Maybe you lost the game. Maybe you lost the game and you played bad. Maybe you lost the game, you played bad, and something on your body is tight and you don't feel very well. Well, when you come to work that day and you have guys, like I know I've come to work today one day like beat up, banged up, out of the mood, not focused, frustrated, whatever I'm feeling, and Danny, um, Bull, Nick Williams, Anybody will come up, and you know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be like a cheesy, like, hey, man, come on, bro. You're going to be just fine. It's more like, man, hey, you know, just if you mess with a guy and just put him in a better mood. So uh, we just got people that care about each other, man, and that's what you guys see on the field, just people that care about one another. So we've talked in the past about, you know, the opportunity that Pace gave you here, the influence that Vangio had on you. And it's only been a year, but how is what kind of influence has Matt Nagy had on you? Um, I, I, I just... Uh it's been fun to watch him take on this role. It was fun last year to watch him take on the role of head coach and, and, and you know, watch him grow and, 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 and learn how to – he knew a lot about how to, you know, um, manage a team before and to just watch his maturation and, and how now he approached OTAs and how you approach training camp and how everything is just flowing. So while we're getting better at our job, he's getting better at his. And so we're all just – we're all growing and we're going the right direction. Can you respect that? I mean, for, for you know last year he's a first-time head coach. You never know what to expect in those types of situations. And you got to be kind of a special coach to, to to get that kind of respect that you're just talking about right there, to know that, hey, yeah, okay, he's a first-time head coach. We're going to allow him to go through this instead of there's so many other situations in the history of the NFL where guys are just like, what is this guy talking about? Yeah, yeah, for, for us, yeah. I, I think that uh, what really – 
I guess the question is, how did he command that respect so quickly? You give it. You you give that respect. That's my personal opinion. I have a lot of respect. I believe in the coach-player relationship, right? And so you are supposed to manage the team, install things, and that's for, not just for a coach. Nagy, that's for every coach, right? You know, you're supposed to manage the guys, um, you know, uh, deliver the message, uh, get get everything installed and all these things. And for that relationship to work, you have to be able to be receptive, right? And that comes with being respectful. So I feel like that's natural. And then what happens is some people lose the respect that's given instantly. You know what I mean? And so uh, he, he's never done that. He has managed his team and, and, and been a great head coach and a lot of respect for the guy. So I don't know how much you hear about it or, or whatever, but it's only natural for some people to be like, all right, they change coordinators. There's going to be a dip. It's just natural. I look at it more like, all right, yeah, but look at a guy like Roquan Smith. How is he not going to be better in year two? Bilal Nichols, what he did as a rookie, how is he not going to be better in year two? To me, yeah. there's been – I look at, like, the depth chart, and I'm just like, there's going to be so much improvement from within. So why, I guess why is that just, like, sort of a lazy take to be like, well, they changed coordinators. They're not going to be – they're going to have a dip. I think because people have seen it so many times. I think people have seen teams be great one year, and then the next year it's like, who? what happened to them? Jaguars, for instance, right? And it happens every year, and it happens to a lot of teams. Um, I think that uh, the reason that we won't see a dip is because guys care not only about the team, they care about themselves, and they care about how the, the name on their back is represented, right? Like, I don't want somebody to look – I don't want my mom to look at the TV and say, damn, my son isn't playing good football. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I think just caring about – about yourself, the team, and and, and and success all around is is how you stay out of that situation. So Bilal's going to be a lot better this year? I think that Bilal is, is going to take the appropriate steps forward. Um, do, do I want him to try to step out of his range and, and, and do something different than what works for him? No, I want him to continue to grow and, and be the type of good football player that he is and, and, and just watch him progress naturally. How do you get better? Like, what can you point at? Uh, for me, I, this is my thing, man. I, I just take something every year in training camp, and I just try to focus on that one thing and just make that better. And then when I you know, put all that together for my eight years of, of, of trying different things, now I have a, a new tool to put in the toolbox. Can you tell me what that is this year? Is that give it away? It's going to give it away. I can. <laughs> I would. I would. I would. All right. Well, I'm sure I'll see you on tape in week one. You must. You must. Thanks, Pleasure. man. I appreciate you. Anytime. All right. You heard it there. Akeem Hicks got a new move coming, Kev. Would not tell me what it is because, you know, you don't want to give that to opposing offensive lines. You don't want the Packers O-line to be eating that information up right now. Um, But he's got something new coming, and we'll see it on tape week one at Soldier Field. I'm excited. (laughs) I am. I think uh, what I don't want is to miss it. Because sometimes, you know, when you're watching, you you catch yourself watching the ball as a play develops. And then you might not see it. He might do it, and it might just set up a sack for somebody else. You got to wait till the next day to watch it to really appreciate it. Yeah. So I hope it's something that leads to a big play, so it's very obvious, and we all see it. That's why God invented all twenty-two, though. There you go. Except at Soldier Field, you might not be able to see it. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Soldier Field, all twenty-two, not so good. Um, all right. Well, anyway, that was a, a fun conversation with Keem Hicks, and um, you know he doesn't show any signs of slowing down but you know part of the reason I want to talk to him is like dude you've had a chip on your shoulder your whole career now you're getting praised from everywhere 
you know, how do you stay hungry? So you you heard him explain it there, and uh, I think he'll continue to be pretty tough. All right, we'll hear from Charles Leno Jr. in a little bit, too. I do want to get to some of the observations we've had for the first few days, really, especially the padded practices. Um, you know, I got asked on the radio this morning, how's Mitch looked? I, fine. It's the exact word I was going to use. Yeah. He looked fine. I mean, I've been at camps where Jay Cutler looked good. I've been at camps where Jay Cutler looked bad. I've been um, at camps where Mike Glennon looked good. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I think I blacked that out of my memory. But um, I, I, to me, he looks comfortable. That's yes. a word I used on the radio this morning. I think he looks comfortable. Did um, he get picked off by Eddie Jackson yesterday? Yeah, Eddie Jackson's also really good and has incredible range and came all the way over from the middle of the field to make the play. Is it a throw Mitch probably wants back? Sure, he got picked off. But, you know, today, I would say there was one... He got picked off by Buster Screen today. Which was a great play by It was Buster a great too. catch, a but catch. the ball was way behind the wide receiver. That was actually the one where I was like, that was actually a bad throw. Yeah, and I think if you go back and look at some of the big catches we've seen, they've been a little bit under... There have been some back shoulder... It's like, it was that back shoulder? Was it just underthrown? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he made a great job attacking the ball in the air, but was should, should he not have had to do that? Uh, my thing is, too, and I look back at the time... Because the, the offense in the first two day in pads... I think today, a Monday, they stalled in the inside the ten. Yeah, like they were you know eventually threw a touchdown to Ben Broniker, but they really weren't doing much of anything. And then the first day, you know, Matt Nagy talked about the defense kind of won the day. I wouldn't put any of that on Mitch. I think that it was just the defense being the defense. And it looked like just guys weren't open. There was not like it was not a situation where Mitch was making bad throws. He has looked accurate. I thought Friday actually with the pads were not on. I thought he looked really sharp. On Friday, was that Elliot Friday? Elliot Friday, and two minute drill. I I thought that was probably Mitch's best day of the four Thursday. You kind of throw out because it was a just a walkthrough day. Um, but yeah, when I think about okay, there was times that the offense didn't look that great. It wasn't that like oh no, everyone panic about your quarterback. It's like okay, you're playing against the best defense in football, and that's just probably going to happen a few times. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Um, and I love everyone on Twitter trying to analyze, you know, the good and bad of every single play. We were talking about this at practice today. How many games is he going to face in a defensive line this good? You know, uh, and we were actually talking about that more in the context of the offensive line. The defense, first of all, we talk about this every year in Bourbon 8. The beginning of training camp is geared towards the defense winning. Like, they're just... Things are going to be sloppy on offense sometimes. You're not going to be clicking. And especially when you have a defense this good, it's going to look that way. I really haven't seen much from Mitch that's concerning at all. I also don't think he's looked sharp yet. You know what I mean? But he did a great throw today to Taylor Gabriel deep down the field with the wind. Uh, I think the wind was actually at his back there, but the rain's coming down hard, and it was an absolute dime. And the left side of the field, too. Yeah, that didn't we get over that in week I thought three? We got over I that. thought we got over that by week three last year. I like year. to joke about it because it was such a thing and it clearly isn't a thing. No. But I would I will point out that I think most of his big plays so far in camp have been on the left sideline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know that he's 
People keep dismissing Taylor Gabriel. He's really good. I don't know why people do that. Yeah, I, you know, I've noticed that too. And I think the the Riley Ridley combined with Emmanuel Hall combined with people excited about Javon Wims. And you know, we there's a lot. Of, we got some smart fans who are doing salary cap math, looking ahead to the contracts that are coming. Taylor Gabriel's making a lot of money. Yeah, they see these guys on rookie deals. And they see the, the the contracts coming for Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair and okay. Well, then that's a you. thing we can worry about in the offseason. Exactly. I mean, Taylor fu- Gabriel is going to be a big part of this offense yeah. this year. And I always say it's for future Ryan Pace to worry about. <laughs> but Gabriel, yeah, because he's going to be better than he was last year. And I thought he was fine last year. I mean, he had some. I thought he was huge games. more than fine. I thought he was good. Yeah, and 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 they've been open. Mike Fur has been very open about. Taylor Gabriel struggles just understanding his role in the offense and what he needed to do. And last year was Taylor Gabriel's first year in his career where he was a full-time player. Mm-hmm. So you have to expect he's going to be better this year. He seems really confident. Um, I, I agree with you. I think he is being totally overlooked. And the other guy I forgot to mention, Anthony Miller is a reason that everyone's overlooking Taylor Gabriel because the easy assumption is Anthony Miller is probably physically certainly more well-rounded receiver than Taylor yeah. Gabriel. Um and he's got that second year he's going to break out. So all those things, and people are just kind of forgetting, Gabriel's going to be playing 80 90% of the snaps. It's probably going to be pretty good. Al Robinson had a couple of uncharacteristic drops today. I would just chalk that up to the weather, maybe. Yeah. He had one good catch at the end zone where we were at. It was actually a throw to the left side. Left mark it, side mark it down. Um, it was over Prince Emma Kamara. And, and he's so good at those 50-50 balls. It's different than Alshon Jeffrey. It almost looks smoother. You know, Alshon was so aggressive. and Yeah. Um, it almost looks like just more natural for Allen Robinson. Um, but, yeah, I, but uh, Sunday's practice, he was probably the best player on the field on offense. I was really curious to see Mike Davis. I think I mentioned that in uh, Thursday's podcast. First impressions, positive, I would say. Same thing to go uh, Marvin Hall, who totally gets overlooked as a as a free agent signing this offseason. Positive impressions. But Davis can clearly run routes, and he had a couple nice catches today in practice, too. So starting to see what Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace are talking about when they, you know, they consistently say, we're really excited about this signing. I, I think that Mike Davis is joining this category of new bears that play faster than they seem. Okay. Like there was a screen pass to him in I want to say Friday's practice. And we're looking up and think, oh, here's not I mean it took me obviously realized right away it was not Tariq Cohen, but I was it took a second because I thought he was he was he looked quicker out of the backfield. Um I talked to Mike Davis after Friday's practice and you know, he told me that he thinks the Bears might have been a little surprised at how versatile he is in terms of the different things he can do. And that's one of the reasons they signed him. But he was saying, he goes, like, he knew that. He knows he's a good fit because he can do everything. But he thinks even they were surprised by what he's going to be able to bring to them in a variety of things. I think he's going to be your guy in the four-minute drill. The fourth quarter, Bears are up 10, 7, what have you. I think for certainly early on, it's going to be Mike Davis in those situations. Um, it's like, I kind of I think of it as an exponentially more important Benny Cunningham role. Yeah. Like, third downs, you know, late in games, late in halves, you know, can, can just be involved in special situations that just, 
you you want Tariq Cohen as a receiver in those spots, or you're just not ready to put David Montgomery in those positions yet. And you got to pass protect too, which we'll have to evaluate that a little bit more as we we see more of these guys. But um, yeah, those are some of the early impressions. And again, number fifty two, good at football, especially when those pads came on. <laughs> it's uh, you know these guys, and you heard it in that Akeem Hicks interview too. I mean, I've definitely never seen a training camp with the nine years covering the Bears with this much talent on the field, and they're making themselves better just by going up against each other, whether it's offense, defense, or as you heard Akeem talk about earlier, when Khalil, when he gets to the quarterback, that makes Khalil Mack want to get to the quarterback. Iron sharpens iron. And when when... Kyle Fuller gets an interception. That makes Eddie Jackson want to go get an interception. You know, they're competitive with each other, too. Uh, and, and so I think... By the way, Eddie Jackson's been fun to watch in practice, too. He yeah, gets he, into it with the crowd. Yeah, he has fun. Everybody's having fun. That's another big takeaway from the first weekend mm-hmm. of practices. And I think, too, it's allowed us, those of us who have covered this team for a while... Now, you covered camp in more lovey year. You, you covered a couple of lovey camps, correct? Yes, I did. So you you saw this team after like really good seasons. Uh, yeah, well, or uh, with some with some semblance of expectations. Well, yeah, I mean, 2011 was my first one, and that was right after the um, the NFC title game, right? Because for me, 2014 is the only year I've been here where there have like been legitimate expectations for this team, and we we know what happened in 2014. But like in the July, people were excited, um, and I remember 2015 through 2018. Like every time I was here, you 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 tend to write a lot of positive stories in training camp, and it's not because the team's good. It's just like everyone's in a good mood. Yeah, they haven't lost yet. Um, they're ha- you know some at least the young guys are happy to be playing football, so everything's kind of positive. And then this year, you step back and you're like, no, this is what it looks like. Yeah. to be a really good likable team that has great camaraderie. This is what it's like to watch them in a training camp setting. And you you can you can visualize that difference because at first I was like, "Oh, I say that every year that they're happy." No, like this is this is what a 12 and 4 team looks like at, at training camp. Yeah, I mean, really the only thing negative things and you know, I I will say after 2014, there were negative things to talk about. Plenty of them. In uh, you know 2015, 2016, when Ryan Pace was first putting his thing together, there was not a whole lot of talent around. I mean, the contrast of those training camps to what we're seeing this year is huge. Um, but I was going to say, okay, negative so far. We we might as well cover them. You know, Adam Shaheen. It doesn't sound like a major thing with his back. But the dude's got to play. I mean, the dude's got to be on the practice field. His number one issue is durability. Yeah, and, and so it's the ha- number one thing keeping him from being, you know, and he came out of Saturday's practice with this, right? So he didn't even have the pads on yet, and it's already an issue. Yeah. So that's concerning. Um, even if he's back, he might be back tomorrow because it sounded like they thought he could have practiced today, but because of the weather, they decided not to, which is fine. They're going to be careful with these guys. He's got to understand that this team has a lot of confidence in him. They did not do anything at tight end this offseason. No, you're right. They moved, in, they, they, they transitioned an offensive tackle to tight end. To tight end. That is the most, that's the biggest thing they did. 
like that tells me that they think he can be the guy they thought when they drafted him. And that's a good point. He can't do that when he's hurt. But he's got to be durable. Um, Trey Burton looks fine, by the way. That's good. Coming off the sports hernia surgery. Yep, yep. He's kind of stepped in just as you'd expect. I honestly thought he'd be more limited than he has been. And he's kind of, he seems to be the same thing with Anthony Miller. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that we'd see these guys in padded practices right away. They're, they're good to go. Yeah. No, as you said, the injuries are really, you know, you, you want to get ha-ha Clinton Dix back as soon as you can. That's true. Because you want to see him out here. But that's not like, um, you know, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal to mm-hmm. them. He's know. walking around. He was doing some work yesterday with Andre Tucker, the trainer. They don't seem too concerned. Uh, Riley Ridley, more of a week-to-week thing, it sounds like, with that yeah. hamstring. And you hate to see that like right away, but the, you also can see how that happens to a rookie. Yep. First day of practice. He hasn't practiced in five weeks, and he just maybe goes a little too hard. But um, it is a guy like that who probably needs the practice reps as much as possible. He does, although... Cordero Patterson echoed something that Matt Nagy told us about Ridley when I was talking to Patterson on Saturday. How much Ridley took to this playbook so quickly? Really? Yeah, like he was. He he brought it up. I asked Cordero Patterson about um, what it's like for him being a veteran, but also just totally new to the playbook. Like he's older than Allen Robinson. He's been in the league just as long as Taylor Gabriel, I believe. And but he's got to learn the playbook from these guys and he also has wisdom to impart that was kind of a long rambling question I asked him and he went into a monologue about how impressed he's been with Riley Ridley hmm. learning the playbook okay so but you know they're, they're, yeah, you, you still want that guy in experience and for the fans that's somebody I pegged in training camp or in OTA saying the fans are going to love watching this guy in practice he's just so smooth the way he runs routes um, well I'd like to see him in practice too I guess you, that's allowed I'd like to see Emmanuel Hall do something in practice. Yeah. He's on and off, on and off. Now, maybe this is all part of a let's stash him on IR for a year and get him right. But even the day he days he has been practicing, hasn't done much. I have not seen much of anything. No, Thomas pretty- Ives, big. You know, I was going to give Thomas Ives the Tanner Gentry Award. I yeah. mentioned this on a radio show this morning. Um, but I think Tanner Gentry should get the Tanner Gentry Award. Tanner Gentry. He's had some big-time catches. He's blowing up Bourbonnet again. That's that, what this guy does. That dude attacks the football. He had a catch. You were standing next to me, right, on uh, Sunday's practice? Yep. He had a catch on John Franklin the third, I believe. And he gave him a stare. Yeah, he gave him a look back. Yeah. Like, That's right. That was, you know. This is my town, Bourbonnet. I could run for mayor here. I'm Tanner Gentry. Well, this is always going to be Harvey Young's town. Well, he's in the Bourbon Hall of Fame, too, which, by the way, I have taken over as the chair of mm. the Bourbon Hall of Fame. Um, and in the bags wing, Bob Laguerre will be inducted. Yeah, too. You can get yourself. You're, you're on. You're on the right path. You, you had a good good bags night the other night. Um, if you consider a forty-three to nothing run good, yes, then um, that would be accurate. That might actually be a Bourbon A record. So I'm going to throw two positions at you <laughs> that uh, have been somewhat interesting to me in terms of who's getting reps with which team. Okay. And I'm talking deep down the bottom of the roster. Here we go. Inside linebacker. Okay. Where it's been a lot of Kevin Pierre-Lewis. Yes. As opposed to the two second-year guys. Yeah, well, I thought 
which maybe not surprising. I'm not too surprised by that. He's a veteran, special teams, good on special guy, teams. Yep. Those other guys on that on the depth chart at inside linebacker haven't proven really mm-hmm. anything. And then uh, tight end, Ian Bunting. Yeah, I've seen I've seen him. He I've noticed him more than I've noticed Dax Raymond. Yes. And this is just early on. We're talking four practices. Not even. We're talking three practices. First day didn't count. Um, very early impression. I've just noticed a little bit more. He's popped to me a little bit more than Dash Raymond. That can totally change the next tomorrow. That can change in the preseason. But, you know, especially if Shaheen continues to be out, that is a major position to watch. And I think a major position that they got to consider bringing somebody in uh, in a waiver claim. Bringing more help in if they need it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's possible. Uh, all right. We should uh, get closer to wrapping things up here on this podcast, but I do want to bring you Charles Leno Jr. It's a little bit shorter conversation than the one with Akeem Hicks earlier, but I did want to talk to him about facing Khalil Mack in practice now that the pads are on. And so that's where this conversation starts. How do you describe going up against Khalil Mack? I mean, because he's been around for a year now, but in pads now. I mean, these are the real training camp practices. How's it uh, different? I mean, what's it just like as a player, as a, as a left tackle? Uh, shit, he's as advertised. You know what I mean? Like, he got it all. Uh, but, you know, for me, I love it. You know, I love the competition. I tell him, I tell him all the time, like, bring it. You know what I'm saying? Get me better. I'm trying to get better. I'm going to get you better. You know, that's the only way it's going to work. That's the only way we're going to get to where we got to get to. So, I mean, I, I embrace it. I embrace the challenge of going against one of the best pass rushers in the league. I'm thankful that he's on my team. Uh, yeah, I can't complain. When last season was over, could you look at that and be like, yeah, Khalil Mack made me better this year? Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing, he's came after training camp, so I didn't get much, much reps with him. But going against him in practice, definitely, like, pass rush drills and stuff like that, oh, yeah, I know I'm like – if you if I can if I can handle him I can slow him down I I guarantee like any pass rusher get, uh, across the league I mean he, he's one of the best so you know everybody else I'm not saying they're scrubs or nothing like that but I can do well against them too yeah it's a little different we <laughs> we get it um so there's been a lot of talk with the quarterback and Mitch like okay it's year two of the system everything's smoother does that that apply to all the players i mean does that, does that feel the same way on the offensive line too like as you're out here every day in bourbon a compared to last year it's less thinking right and just more more doing absolutely uh we got our we got the same i ain't gonna say the same but the playbook we know it you know what i mean we know it we of course there's gonna be wrinkles here stuff like that but at the end of the day all we were trying to go out here is work on technique you know i know some plays like the back of my hand i just want to go out there and perfect them now you know work on the technique get the details of it it's always fun seeing the running backs too once the pads go on get a better idea of what they're doing so i know they're behind you when you're blocking for them but how'd that go today and i know david montgomery has been waiting to, you know dying to get the pads on yeah oh yeah i mean with the running backs, this is this is what it's all about for those guys. You know, what I mean, they get the feel of you know getting that contact, getting their feet in the ground. You know, you know, trying to keep their balance while they're running. So, I just want to do my job the best I possibly can. You know, open the holes big as wide, those so those guys can burst too. You know, when we get Tariq and David and uh, Mike in space, you know, they're gonna score touchdowns for us. So there's Charles Leno. A little talk about the running backs there, too, at the end as the pads went on in Bourbon A. That was actually from what day it is? What day it is? That's a 
That's great English. You lose track of days in Bourbon Aid, don't you? Today's Monday, so that was from Sunday. I think. I have no idea anymore. Yeah, I've, I have never know what day it is in Bourbon Aid. Could be, could, so in this could be Elliot Friday. We're in this Bermuda Triangle where... Now, you and I actually did some driving this weekend. We did. Through this area. We went to New Lenox. We went to New Lenox from Bourbon Aid, and there, it, you're on a road where you there is nothing. There's just corn. There's a lot of corn. Soybeans. Random, yeah. really nice develop, housing developments that yeah. pop up out of nowhere. That cost $200,000. Yeah. And then... The the houses are 17 times bigger than my house and cost less. There was like <laughs> one gas station in a 20-mile stretch, not a single... Str- nothing. But uh, we're just in this area where there are no days. There are no days, except Elliot Friday. Elliot Friday. That is the only day that exists here in Bourbon A. But... And to even go deeper to that, Fridays aren't even that big of a deal in training camp. Like you can't enjoy Elliot Friday because they you still have practice on Saturday and Sunday. Oh, I see. As opposed to regular life with Friday, yeah, like in regular life, you might be like, "Oh, it's great! It's, it's Elliot, Friday. It's Elliot Friday." Yeah, you know, it's you know, it's Eddie Pinyatter Day. That's that's not a thing. Pinyatter Day. That is not a thing at all. Um, there is an off day coming up though here soon. That'll be nice. One off day, and then uh, this, that, then, then things tend to speed up really quick because uh, the Soldier Field practice on Saturday. And then before you know it, they're playing the Panthers next week. And then once that happens, there's only two more practices in Bourbon A, and then all of a sudden they're playing the Giants, and it's week one against the Packers. Just like that. That's how it works. Yep. Uh, and we'll be there to cover it all. We will be. And we're expecting Adam Johns back on Thursday. So not 100% confirmed, but very, very, very likely. We miss you, Johnsy. Uh, be good to have him back here in Bourbon A. Uh, maybe, whew, I don't even know if he's my bags partner anymore because I mean, you go on a 43 nothing run with Patrick Finley. I don't know how you uh, change. Yeah, how you, how do you get off that hot streak? Well, how many was I involved in in that on the bad side of that forty three zero run? Uh you weren't in the twenty two nothing game. Okay, so we were just like so you were the back end and the front end, right? And the front right. end, and yeah. Larry Mayer was involved. Yes, so uh, you can put most of the blame on Larry. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. All right, we gotta get out of here. Follow us on Twitter. At Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, at K Fishbane. Go read his work. Really good stuff from Bourbon A here uh, the first few days at The Athletic, theathletic.com, and on The Athletic app. Read My 10 Bears Things up at WGNRadio.com slash Bears. Search Hogan Johns. Please rate and review the podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify. It's everywhere you listen to your podcast. Please rate and review it. We appreciate you doing that. Football is back. We love it. We hope you do, too. Uh, another thing I want to mention... Appreciate people that you know are out here on the practice fields, the fans, and are so nice about the podcast and bring it up. Appreciate you, appreciate you listening, and don't be a stranger if you see us out here on the practice field. Say hi. Uh, you are not bothering us at all. Would love to say hi to our listeners if you're out here in Bourbonnais. So do not hesitate at all. Love seeing you out here, and we'll talk to you later in the week.
Oh!